Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Bills Mafia, it is a much different post-game edition of Shout, a Buffalo football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Whether you're celebrating at home or away, Tops has all your fan favorites ready to enjoy for football, entertaining, or any occasion. Make sure you get over to Tops Friendly Markets. The Buffalo Bills, Ryan Talbot, uh, a blowout victory. The offense has its swagger back 43 to 21. They take out the Washington football team, that vaunted defensive front, zero sacks against Josh Allen today. Wow. What a performance all around for this Bills team. <laughs> all around is right. You know, Josh Allen looking more like the Josh Allen from last year, uh, which, you know, I think we both predicted going into this game. We thought there was a good chance that was going to happen. So he's back on track. Brian Dave. Dable, who has been criticized a lot through the first two, even the first two games in terms of his play calling. I thought he put, drew out a, a great game plan for this team uh, in terms of utilizing the run in the past, dialing things up at the right time for both of, of those units. And, and then obviously defensively still playing at a high level. So, you know, you, you look at the AFC right now, you look at the AFC East specifically, and the Bills, one, should be the clear favorites in the division, but two, there, there's a lot of uh, interesting developments in the AFC just today looking across the scoreboards. Yeah, I mean, Kansas City loses, goes to one and two, and all of a sudden you're sitting here with, you know, as a Bills fan, eyeing that matchup in a couple of weeks with your offense trending in the right direction. I tweeted it at halftime and people were going nuts at me like, you jinx the defense, you jinx the Bills, blah, 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 blah. I have a rule. If you are 21 years or older, you cannot talk about jinxes. Jinxes do not exist. That is <laughs> that is kindergarten fodder, people. Let's let's come on. Let's 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 elevate the level of conversation here. But I tweeted out like, listen, if I'm a if I'm somebody watching this tape, this is the the Bills offense that I think most teams expected to see this year. But this defense continues to be dominant. And I know they gave up 21 points today, but there were circumstances beyond their control. I mean, there was a turnover there. Um, you know, uh, the, the special teams blunder which I know Isaiah McKenzie, if we got a chance to talk to him after this game, would say 
listen, I wish I could have that play back. I, I saw actually, let's start on that, but we're going to get so much into the offense. There's so many things we want to talk about today. You have comments, Sarah Holland, who was at the game. We'll bring her in at the end to talk about her experience amongst the 65 to 70,000 screaming bills fans. Everybody required at least one shot of the vaccination in here. And this place was pretty much filled to the brim today, Ryan. So maybe that won't be as big of an issue as maybe people feared at first, but you know, looking at this special teams unit, this is a group that if you go two weeks ago and check out what happened in that game, block punt completely flipped the script in that game. There was another big blunder in this one. Yeah. Isaiah McKenzie. I want to go back and I would love to hear from him in terms of what happened. I thought he could have run up and caught that ball. I don't know if he thought it was a punt. If he just had this minor, um, you know, brain fart, so to speak, where he didn't know what to do, or or maybe he couldn't get there in time and and the ball just had an unlucky bounce. Whatever the case may be, the the Bills made a huge mistake letting the ball, first of all, hit the turf, because once that happens, it's going to bounce any which way. And once it crosses 10 yards downfield, it's, it's, you know, it's anyone's ball. So that was a huge mistake. It's the first big error that we've seen from Isaiah McKenzie as a return man this season. Uh, kind of the exact opposite of week one. You just mentioned it. Matt Hack has the block punt. Isaiah McKenzie has the the great return in that game to set up the, the first drive for the Bills. Isaiah McKenzie has the big mistake in this game that leads to a turnover. Matt Hack was un, uh, Hawk, I should say. I always want to say Hack because the way it's uh, spelled. Hawk was unbelievable. Two punts, one down in the 14, one down to the one yard line. Uh, so kind of a flip of the script from, from week one to week three. I was tweeting about the win. I was down there for the pregame show and I was watching Tyler Bass warm up a little bit and you could see he was kicking it off from his 35 and it was going to like the 20 yard line. There was a tweet. There's they had the special teams unit had to know that that was going to be an issue. So if you're talking about a closer game against a better opponent, that's something that you got to You got to fix those kind of little mistakes. And it's funny, you know, Andre Roberts has been struggling out in Houston and almost like going into this game, you look at the production that Isaiah McKenzie has had as a return man compared to what Roberts has done uh, for Houston. And you almost want sit here, sit back and think, man, Brandon Bean moved on from the, at the right time, made the switch at the right time. But those kinds of move, those kinds of mistakes, those blunders can really be something that costs you in closer games. Now let's flip the script because this was not a game where any little mistake was going to cost this team because they did so many good things on offense and defense. I want to start with the offense and Josh Allen. Okay, we talked two weeks, you know, and I know that there was a lot of Bills fans sitting back, wondering, worrying about, you know, where this offense was trending. Josh Allen, after he signed that big contract, looking nothing like the quarterback that they saw last season. Everything was right today. This is what we saw in the preseason. This is what we saw in training camp. We saw Josh Allen assess what he was doing wrong. He, he kind of found the problem. We talked to him on Wednesday. He said, listen, I've gone out there. I've made some mistakes the first two weeks against good defenses, and I've let it affect me. Frustration set in, and when that's happened, he hasn't been able to get into a rhythm. Well, today, he went out there and was assertive. Not only was he assertive, but Brian Dable, the play caller, we'll talk about Brian in a minute as well, was assertive in getting the ball out of his hands quickly. Josh Allen did the offensive line as good as they played today. We'll talk about them too. He did them a lot of favors with the way that he was moving around in the pocket, avoiding some of the pass rush, but getting the ball out of his hands early. He hit a couple layups early on, some good throws, leaned on Cole Beasley throughout the game. We'll talk about him as well. But this was, if you're drawing up what you want Josh, a Josh Allen performance to look like, this is it, Ryan. Uh, Yeah, that's the blueprint right there. 
Uh, I saw someone joke in the comments, and I saw our friend Matt Beauvais say it too. Congratulations to Josh Allen, the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. How is he not going to be at this point? You know, five total touchdowns, four through the air, one with his feet. Made it look easy. You mentioned it, helping out his offensive line at times. There were plays where John Allen was pushing the pocket, and he had a few near sacks, and Allen was able to elude him, move out of the way, step up in the pocket, roll out, whatever the case may be. But for the most part, it was a quick passing game getting it to Cole Beasley, getting it to Stefan Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, Dawson Knox, the list goes on and on and on. And he looked great doing so. He was accurate in, in those short to intermediate phases. And, you know, we, we talked about the frustration that Josh Allen had in the first two weeks. We one At one point during the game when it, it was returning from commercial, you saw Chase Young on the sidelines kind of just throwing his arms up in the air as he was talking to Jack Del Rio, extremely upset that that defense could not get to Josh Allen at all today. Yeah, and I just think that, you know, overall, Brian did a really good job throughout the game setting up Josh Allen to have success. And I almost, you know, I credit Sean McDermott and and Brian for their approach during the week. Because if you go back to Monday, you know, they were they, the questions started flying after last week's game. And we heard from Cole Beasley after the game, expectations are high outside the Bills locker room local media, national media, you know, this is a Super Bowl contender and that, that those expectations are placed on this team. Cole said, I don't care what people expect outside the room. The ex- they're not as high as the expectations that we have for ourselves. So they knew as a group that they were sitting there 35, nothing last week and Cole Beats. He was like, couldn't celebrate it. Didn't feel right. A five score deficit. We knew that this could be better. And this was more what we expected going into the season. And I give a lot of credit to Dable and Sean McDermott for the way that they, you know, calmly and coolly were able to talk about some of the things that Josh obviously knew that he had to do better, but also focusing on the the growth that he had from week one to week two, seeing some mistakes in week one, fixing it in week two. And what we talked about last week, Ryan, setting the stage for this kind of breakout when you're taking what the defense get, gives you, get yourself into a little bit of a, a rhythm. And then it just starts going downhill for a defense, trying to kind of keep their head above water, if you will, to try to figure out how to slow this thing down. It looked like that today. Oh, absolutely. And, and again, like you said, credit Brian Dable, credit Sean McDermott, because they've noticed little things from week one to week two, and they've improved it. Look at the run game. The run game has been a consistent factor. They're keeping that part of the offense. I thought that Zach Moss was the hot hand today. We'll talk more about him a little bit later. He had a great game. But then it's all about developing this pass game around Josh and these in the weapons. Obviously, most of them returning faces, Emmanuel Sanders being that one new face. There's so much tape out there from last year that teams were going to come in this year with a new game plan, a new way to play it. And we saw Pittsburgh's game plan. We're not blitzing. We're sending the front. We're getting after him, and it worked. And that was the fear in this week that maybe Washington could do the same, but Buffalo's offensive line stepped up to the plate and looked much better. Last week we saw, you know, Diggs and Beasley get bracketed off by Miami's secondary. That couldn't happen today. They, you had receivers getting open early in plays, Josh Allen hitting them at the right time, and boy, you know, accuracy. That's one thing that I think we could talk a little bit about in week one, week two. The balls were a little bit off. He was on the money today with the majority of his throws needed right where they needed to be. Uh, the receivers would be waiting for them. Some of those throws down the field to Emmanuel Sanders right on the money again in the outstretched arms. So kudos to him. He's making gains and strides from week one to week two to week three. But today, this was exactly the type of performance 
you would have expected from Josh Allen based on his play one year ago. A little note here on Brian Dable. If you're following along on social media today, you probably saw it coming out of the press conference. Josh Allen revealed that um, Brian Dable's grandmother passed away. Uh, Obviously condolences sent to him, his whole family, Uh, you know, going through this weekend and coaching today with a very heavy heart. And it was, it was funny, not funny, but it was, it was kind of uh, ironic that Josh Allen got the opportunity to kind of be there for Brian Dable. If you flip back to November of last year, when, when Josh Allen, you know, obviously it's well known at this point, he lost his grandmother 24 hours before playing the Seahawks went in, had an unbelievable performance. And when he got back to the locker room, he found Brian Dable and just kind of fell into his arms. You know, today Brian found him in the locker room and, he kind of fell into his arms. There's a relationship here between quarterback and play caller. It goes beyond football. And I think, you know, and that's obvious even before anything like this, but I think it really kind of shines a light on what they've built here. And a lot of times in, in pro sports and sports in general, you talk about a lot of like cliches and, you know, uh, things that people say about culture and everything like that. Well, when, when, Sean McDermott talks about this being a team first mindset in, in this organization. It's not just lip service. It's something that I feel like really runs through this, this organization. Deion Dawkins came out unprovoked, not asked about it, said this game today was for Brian Dable. Yeah. Listen, they, they all love one another in that locker room. Uh, and you mentioned the, the specific relationship between Allen and Dable. You know, that's very, I, I'm going to say it's rare. I know that a lot of offensive coordinators and quarterbacks get along very well. They know each other very well. But the way that Allen collapsed into Dable's arms last year, the way that Dable went to Allen after today's game, it just shows you that there's more there than just that coach-player relationship. They genuinely care for one another. They genuinely want to see one another succeed. Um, You know, just like Allen and the offensive players, I think in the back of their mind last year, thought they were definitely going to lose Dable, and they were going to be happy for the guy, but but sad for this team. And they were lucky enough to get him back. Uh, they want to win for this guy. They wanted to win today specifically for him based on what he was going through. And this offense showed up in such a big way. All right. Uh, this is the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets from hot to go pizza and appetizers, signature fried chicken, baby back ribs and subs to delicious salads and brownie trays. Tops has everything you need to feed the hungriest fan. This is the Shout Podcast. Like I mentioned, hit that like button. If you're on YouTube, subscribe as well. We're this close, Ryan Talbot, to 4,000 subscribers. We're probably going to hit it on this episode right here because I know how great Bill's Mafia is feeling right now after this game. They're they're dying to kind of click that little subscribe button. Am I right? Oh, you are 100% correct. Bill's Mafia, you have done well. You know, you, you've treated us so well since we've started this channel. We've been around for a little while, but we started this channel late last year. You've You've helped us grow to great heights. We know that those of you that have not hit that like and subscribe button yet, you're going to do it tonight. Get us over that 4K mark. Thank you again for your continuous support, but let's get over 4K and keep this thing rolling along. So Chris uh, over on uh, YouTube and he and a couple people have mentioned in the chat about, you know, Stefan Diggs uh, teams trying to take him away. And of course, after you leave the NFL in receiving, Ryan, I mean, that's going to be an obvious you know, factor for teams as you go into the next year to try to limit a guy. The thing with today's matchup that I thought that was interesting, and I mentioned it early on, is that the the Washington football went out football team went out and, and signed William Jackson as a free agent. They signed him because he's one of the best man corners in the NFL. And I thought that there was a couple plays today where he played physical with Diggs, tried to take him as much out of the uh, out of the equation as they could. He still ends up with ten targets, six 
uh, catches, 62 yards. You could try to, you know, contain him, but you're never really going to stop Stephon Diggs. And this was a situation where the Washington football team didn't have enough answers elsewhere. I mean, with the way that Cole Beasley, who we can nice transition to like our stars of the game, not named Josh Allen. I, I wanted to come up with three of them. And I'll start here because for, for me, I know Emmanuel Sanders had two touchdowns. For me, it was Cole Beasley. I was beyond impressed with his ability for the Bills to continue to go back to the well with him, get him the ball, 13 targets, 11 catches, nearly 100 yards receiving. He finishes with 98, 8.9 per catch. Uh, he played a physical brand of ball today. He was he was walking a little bit slow in the post-game press conference, mm-hmm. but he put a hit. I, I can't remember who it was on. It might have been on a curl, the safety, where he was coming over the middle, and he just lowered his shoulder. And, you know, Josh Allen said, listen, Cole Beasley, he sets the tone for us in, in some games. And, and that's such a, a unique thing to have from your very small slot receiver who I think went out there today in a game where Josh Allen needed to get into a rhythm, and he was a big reason why Josh was able to do that. Oh, absolutely. Listen, Colby's has been Mr. Reliable for Josh Allen since they've been together in, in the first, you know, year that they've been here. Uh, and it's been a few seasons now. So it's, it's no surprise that their chemistry is off the charts, that he is someone that he can always drop the ball off to and expect him to make some, uh, pick up some yards after the catch. We saw that a few times today where third down situations, he delivers it to Beasley. Beasley does the rest, picks up those extra three to four yards with his legs after catching the ball, moving the chains. Beasley was my second star of the game. I went with Emmanuel Sanders for my first one. You mentioned two touchdowns. Uh, the the one grab that he had to come down and, and catch really low and pull that in, I was beyond impressed with that catch. Uh, and then more than anything else, the chemistry factor. After week one, oh, their chemistry's off. Missed him on a deep ball down the field that should have been a touchdown. They They get together in week two. They do hit one long ball, but he has two receptions. This was that breakout performance. So he ends up with 94 yards and just five receptions. And, and going back to the original comment here uh, about Stefan Diggs, yeah, defenses are trying to take him out. So it's up to Emmanuel Sanders. It's up to Cole Beasley, Dawson Knox, Gabriel Davis, who's quiet today, um, you know, for the most part. It's up to those guys to step up. And that's exactly what everyone did today. Now, that being said, six for 62 is not a bad stat line for Stefan Diggs throw in the fact that there's that one controversial play where no flag was thrown and he was pretty much tackled uh, in the end zone a, a few seconds or a split second before the ball came his way. He call, he hauls in that catch and his stat line looks pretty good at the end of the day uh, when you really think about it. So other guys are stepping up though around digs and that's exactly what we need to see here for the bills, not just this week, but throughout the rest of the regular season and playoffs. The offensive line is a group that, came under siege after the first game and obviously some tough matchups against some really good players. I thought that this, this matchup for whatever reason, the Washington football team's defensive line is not playing at the level that I think a lot of people expected. I thought that they tried their best today. I just think that the bills offensive line for the most part did a better job. I thought Deion Dawkins looked the best he's looked and he continues to progress week over week. I thought John Feliciano turned in another outstanding game. He talked about going up against uh, John Allen, who we call the werewolf out there. He's one of the be- most underrated players, one of the best players on the defensive line. And you saw it out there. I mean, that, they were battling. And I think, you know, going up again, you know, Feliciano took a lot of heat for his performance against Chris Jones in Kansas City, you know, in the AFC title game, rightfully so. Struggled against Cam Hayward. You know, those are two big punches in the mouse, mouth. And I think that the way that he's responded has to have you excited after the Bills paid him a little bit of money to come in here on a three-year deal. He's responded. He's been huge. And I thought, 
if you're if you're going across the offensive line and kind of grading things out, I think Feliciano is near the near the top of that grade sheet. Yeah, Feliciano is really good again, back to back weeks. And I'm going to tip my cap to Daryl Williams. Williams last week, I thought was still the weak link on the line. I thought he had a much better performance today. I thought the whole line as a whole performed pretty well. Like you mentioned, there were definitely some plays where there was pressure where where Josh Allen had to elude it, had to move, had to roll. But they did their job today. They kept Josh Allen upright. The Bills rushed for over 100 yards on the ground. They had a really nice performance. And and he wasn't in very long, Matt, but I want to give a, a really sneaky tip of the cap to Spencer Brown. He had one snap, and I want to say he was going, I want to say it was it was 94 for Washington. Um, he literally tossed the guy on the screen. You saw him just throw the defensive lineman out of the way on the play. So he might not be ready yet to start. He might not be ready yet to play significant reps, but if you can get him mixed in here and there and you see those flashes, it's only going to help him when he needs to play more reps, whether it's because of injury or whether the Bills think, hey, this guy's ready to maybe start opposite Deion Dawkins later this year. Now, that said, if Williams continues to step up like he did today, I don't know if that will ever actually happen, but kudos to him as well. So it wasn't just the starters. Some of those reserves really stepped up too. Yeah, and that's two weeks in a row now. Spencer Brown's come in on that one of those special packages and, and laid a, a big hit in, in the run game. Um, he did it last week in Miami. And so that's a good sign because, you know, you're probably not making it this full season and staying 100% healthy. I think the Bills did for the most part last year at tackle. We didn't see a lot of Ty and Secchi. Um, at, who was the, you know, their main backup there. And, you know, that's what you, that's why you pay Daryl Williams. That's why you paid Deion Dawkins. You want them to be your bookends. But I think getting, getting Spencer Brown, some of these little confidence builders. I mean, he was really good in the preseason as well in that, that one game where he got some extended action. So a very uh, good sign there. All right. So let's transition here. Oh no, before we move on, we both agreed on our third uh, star offensive star of the game. Dawson Knox. I mean, I, I gave the shout out to Joe Marino. He was on our show in February. He's host of the Locked On Bills podcast, and he called it. I mean, he 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 was he was really standing for Dawson Knox and why you know even in February before you know, free agency and everything else, like to, the Bills should stand pat, keep going with Dawson Knox. He's gonna he's gonna reward them in the end. And so far through three games. Nothing but a reward from Dawson Knox, who goes for four and almost 50 today. An unbelievable touchdown catch. Probably had a little bit of a push off on the on the play. But, you know, listen, there probably should have been a pass interference call on the other side on Stefan Diggs. So sometimes you, you give a little take a little bit uh, in the referee department. But Dawson Knox, three t- two touchdowns now in three games. He's so comfortable. And you could tell Josh Allen, like Sean McDermott said, has a lot of um, faith in the uh, trust in the in the tight end. Yeah, without a doubt, I thought that the adjustment he made on the touchdown reception was probably the catch of the game, although Sanders' touchdown was really impressive as well. Uh, I asked him after the game in the the pressers about uh, what he maybe learned at tight end university that's helped him get off this hot start this year. And he talked, he said there wasn't one specific thing, but they sat there and they watched tape for Mm -hmm. two to three hours every day. And he, he received really good advice from Greg Olson. Darren Waller, obviously one of the best current tight ends in the NFL. And he, he learned about leverage. He learned about where, you know, what to do in certain situations. And that's really showing up this year. So he put in the work in the off season, working with these other tight ends. You had a phenomenal story about him this off season, working with that vision specialist. You know, there were still some concerns this summer where he was dropping some balls in the preseason in practice. 
We haven't seen those drops yet. He actually almost made a great one-hand catch on a ball that was behind him, the only oh, the only one that he did not haul in on the day. So he has taken a big step here, and, and the Bills are rewarding him in terms of how much they trust him by having the, him out there on the field quite a bit in terms of snaps. Uh, no, Chris asked. We are not going to have any Zach Ertz talk in here today. We were talking about the Bills' 43-21 victory over the Washington football team, a game that I think, Ryan, you probably agree was probably not even that close. This was an absolute one-sided game. You know, Washington was able to kind of keep things close because of some, uh, you know, missteps by the Bills early on. But even in those moments when it, when it even got down to a one-score game, it never felt like, okay, this is going to be a game uh, you know, this is going to be a game. You know, it, it, it didn't even feel like that. No, it, it never really did. And like you said, Bills go up 21 nothing, And then, you know, kudos to Washington for dialing up the perfect play. They knew the Bills were probably going to be aggressive, go after Taylor Heineke. So they, they drew up a screenplay. Antonio Gibson, one of the most electric young backs in this league, did the rest to get 70-some yards. That's just one of those plays where, hey, they, they drew up the perfect play for what, what the Bills defense was trying to do. Then you have the mistake on special teams that really sets him up, and Heineke uh, uses his mobility to hit the pylon too. But really, besides that, that offense couldn't really sustain drives throughout the day. Buffalo's defense had them um, were getting after them, even though you didn't see a lot of pressure necessarily or sacks for the most part like you did in week uh, two against Miami. They were still pushing the pocket a little bit. Uh, they, they were making him think he had a little bit of happy feet, and then he threw some really bad passes because of it. There was even another play where he probably could have run for the first down, but he ended up throwing it well past the line of scrimmage. So the, the Bills did enough up front in the front seven to really get after him and, and make him, you know, really nervous in his first career road start. So this defense, you know, Matt, we've talked about it for the last three years. First year that they get in the playoffs, man, what if this offense catches up to the defense? Last year, uh, oh, wow. What if what if this defense plays a little bit better as the year went on? Because they had a little bit of a, a letdown last year. This was the game that fans have been envisioning. The defense plays lights out. The offense is, is moving the ball. And, and don't get me wrong. A 35 nothing blowout win the week before is pretty impressive, too. But we didn't see the passing game go off like it did today. So today was that first game where I think Bills fans set, uh, maybe sat back in their chairs and said, man, If we can get this on a week-by-week basis, this team's going to be really hard to beat, and you're looking at a team that has a legit chance to be the number one seed in the AFC. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. As we take a kind of a a deeper look at this defensive performance today. You know, one of the things that I th- we talked about going in is that Taylor Heineke in, in his limited NFL experience does a really good job of getting rid of the ball quickly. And so it tends to put a lot of pressure on the secondary because even as good as the front four probably has been for the bills. And I thought was fine today. You're, you're going to, you know, be in a lot of situations where you can have a good rush and still not impact the play because Heineke is making a habit out of getting rid of the ball so quickly. Combined with, this is a really good offensive line, Ryan. I thought that there was a couple times where, you know, the, their front four, they would send a blitz. It, it wasn't getting, you know, to Taylor Heineke. I felt, I felt like they kept a pocket for him pretty consistently throughout the game. He was patient in there. I even thought at times he went through his reads a little bit more than he tended to if you watched him uh, in games before this. 
But I think that what it comes down to, I know you you don't see the sack numbers and you know some some comments about Ed Oliver that I saw on social media. This defensive line in this game, I don't think sacks were necessarily going to be the barometer for measuring their performance. I think at the end of the day, it comes down to what did you do to affect their offense? And three turnovers is at the forefront of what I think they did. And I think the pass rush did enough to make Taylor Heineke uncomfortable on a few of those plays and force some mistakes. Yeah, the the Bills defense maybe didn't get sacks, but you, you talk about Trey White punching out a ball from Logan Thomas and Matt Milano, right place, right time. The man's all over the field again this week, uh, recovers the ball. Interceptions by Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. And, and then uh, Matt Milano blowing up a fourth down play as well for a turnover on down. So the defense did m- make their fair share of plays today. It might not have been in the sack category, I can't. I have to go back. Was it Star Latulay that was re- rewarded with the sack on the play that Heineke ran out of bounds? Yeah, yeah. I thought it he was, was the one trailing him. So there were no real sacks, but like you said, Matt, this defense still had a major impact on the game. Uh, Poyer's interception resulted in a touchdown for the Bills. Hyde's interception resulted in a field goal for the Bills, or maybe I had them reversed. But either way, ten points on on two interceptions. You know, you can't beat that. You have the turnover on downs. The Bills take over deep in their territory late in the game. And, and again, they, they score, they punch it in. So the defense was opportunistic. It's exactly what they said that they needed to be after that week one loss, saying we didn't create enough turnovers. Well, we've seen that now in the last two weeks with this defense really stepping up in a big way. And, and listen, Matt, next week, they're, they're getting Houston and Davis Mills. I, I think there's going to be some more opportunities for some turnovers in that game. Uh, there's going to be more opportunities to hit the quarterback, to get the interception. So. I feel like as long as the Bills don't hit some kind of unexpected bump in the road, that defense is going to be playing with a ton of confidence come week five in that matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you're you're sitting in a really nice spot to to be kind of hitting your your upwards trend here at the right time. I thought Tredavious White was outstanding today. I thought he was very competitive at the catch point. I thought that he was physical with, with, with their playmakers. I mean, Terry McLaurin, you know, for, for as good as he's been this year and he came in, I think as the number nine ranked receiver in the league or, or maybe a little bit under there, maybe a 14 or something like that. But he was really, you know, he made some plays that he made some plays today, seven targets, four catches and 62 yards. But some of that was in garbage time. I thought Tredavious white was outstanding against him. And I, listen, I I've, I've said at times for as much heat as his, as Levi Wallace has had thrown at him, you know, the last year and a half, two years, there's been times over the last six, 12 months or so where I thought Tredavious White has struggled a little bit at times, whether it be injuries or whatever, you know, there's been times where he's given up big plays too. And when you, you know, I, I think it's only fair that if you're going to talk about a guy as a shutdown corner, he's got to live up to, to that billing. And at times I think that Tredavious White has it over the last 12 months. I still go back to that Tennessee game when he missed last year, and I don't think he was right for a pocket of time. So I don't put any of that on him. But he came out today and looked like your, you know, $18, $19 million a year cornerback. And that was huge for this Bills team. Yeah. Yeah. Sean McDermott, that's one of the big keys to his defense playing well is having that cornerback that you can trust to lock down uh, the, the other team's best player or one side of the field. And I thought that, like you said, McLaurin had a few catches. He had one big gainer that was uh, called back on a uh, offensive pass interference. That was a little controversial. 
Uh, but for the most part, Trey White looked the part today. He had a really nice game. That whole secondary had a really good game overall. Uh, you saw, Like I said, you saw them reading plays. You had Taron Johnson have an interception wiped out. Uh, on a, you know, there were three penalties overall in that play. But he, he was he had another nice game, and then obviously that safety duo. I said in my observa- or in my uh, encouraged worried after the game, you know, name a better duo in the league right now at safety. There's going to be a lot of national analysts and media members that pick some bigger names, but Poyer and Hyde have been unbelievable for the last few years, and today they both get interceptions. They both play big roles in this win, and I saw very early in the show someone asking about Poyer. I asked him after the game how he was doing. He said, minor injury, he's going to be fine. Uh, so, you know, nothing to worry about there. Indeed. Uh, Sarah is uh, monitoring the comments, and she's, she said that there's been some talk about the lack of blitz in this game. And I I thought going into this game that, you know, you're, if, you're, if you're Leslie Frazier in this game, you probably aren't as aggressive as you've been the last couple of weeks with the blitz, only because of what we talked about at the start. Like, you know, if you start sending defensive backs in on blitzes against the guy that's getting the ball out quickly, you give Terry McLaurin, you give Logan Thomas, who had, you know, quietly had a nice little game today. What did he finish with? Four for 42 and a touchdown. I think he had one or two that were called back for penalties. He could have had even more. So that was a cool story for Logan Thomas returning. He exchanged a big uh, bear hug with Josh Allen uh, before the game. Josh Allen was very cl- complimentary of him this week. But I thought that, you know, for the most part, I wasn't expecting a heavy blick blitz package from Frazier in this game because it just didn't make sense with the matchup. And I think that that's what you have to do to be a great coordinator in this league because you have to adjust to the matchup and it, and it worked out. I think that if not for a few of the mistakes and I got to go back here because maybe you can refresh my memory here. The first score for um, it came, the first score came uh, on a, on a touchdown after the bills went up 21 to zero. That was just a straight Mm -hmm. offensive drive. And then this next touchdown came after the botched uh, special teams play. So, you know, if Isaiah McKenzie fields that pass, the Bills up 21 to seven and the offense goes down and scores points. Who's to say that the Bills maybe just don't hold them to 14 points in this game? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good point. And, and again, maybe, maybe McKenzie really couldn't run up in time to field that kick on the kickoff. Maybe, maybe it was just a brain fart where he thought it was a punt. I don't know. I would love to hear from him. I thought based on watching the replay a few times, the ball was coming toward him and he kind of stopped because he knew maybe if I'm either going to sprawl out for it and I could miss it. But either way, it's a live ball situation. So love to go back, hear from him on that, figure out what's going to happen. But listen, after that play today, I wouldn't be shocked if once a game, uh, an opposing team kind of intentionally kicks it short to maybe where he can't get it, but someone else has to field it just to challenge the Bills, see what they do in that situation, see if it's a, a mistake that they make again. So it's I'm sure it's going to be something that's emphasized in the special teams meetings uh, you know, starting this week, going into this game against the Texans. Uh, but either way, you're right. You take away the the snafu there by Isaiah McKenzie, and I think that this game gets out of hand even that much earlier. Uh, one other drive on the offense I wanted to mention, right before halftime. Very limited time, all three timeouts. The Bills didn't even really have to use the timeouts. They were working the sidelines so well, getting it to Beasley, getting it to Diggs and company. I thought that was a really impressive drive where maybe some Bills – teams of the past would have just simply taken a knee, sat on it, and gone into the into halftime. So we saw a lot from this offense, but just that little drive before halftime really impressed me as well. 
you know, looking back at the stats here, I mean, some of these things are eye popping, right? I mean, 29 first downs to 13, the bills were nine of 15 for 60% on third down. But what do we talk about going into this game, Ryan? You know, the bills, if you go like the chart, the chargers went on the road today and knocked off the Kansas city chiefs. I think the chargers are an ascending team. They're a team that I think has really announced their arrival in the AFC to start this season. They got a really good offense. They got a really good quarterback in Justin Herbert who has weapons and they just had a signature win on the road. You go back two weeks when they played the same Washington football team, they earned six trips into the red zone. They converted twice. And that's been one of the problems all season long for the chargers. You know, even though that they, you know, have been, you know, really good, their offense has been moving the ball. They haven't been able to convert. And now we're talking about a bills team that earned that same number of six trips into the red zone. They converted four times. That's now four and four. That's eight for 10 red zone trips. The last two weeks for this bills offense. And that's what I feel like when they're going good, this offense separates itself because they're not only a, a group that can move the ball and get, get those yards up, but they can also convert in the red zone. They have so many different options. And one of them, I thought Zach Moss was again this week, a factor. You go back to everything that we covered last week with Moss. I mean, talking about losing his grandma um, or his aunt the day, a day before the game, playing with a heavy heart, responding from an early mistake. He took that momentum built in that game. He transferred it over to this week and he came out here and the bills featured him on the second drive. They went Devin Singletary first drive, Zach Moss next drive. He he was their leading rusher today. He made plays in the passing game. His biggest one, a seven yard touchdown reception from Josh Allen. And I don't even know if people really figured Moss to be that big time factor in the passing game when they drafted him, but I continue to be impressed with his contributions in the passing game. This goes back to last season. Yeah, I asked Zach Moss about it after the game. I said, you know, you were inactive in week one. You come out in the next two weeks, and now you have three total touchdowns in two games. And he said, you know, I I can only control the controllables. That's not something that was up to him to decide. And now through two weeks, though, he's shown up on the big stage with three touchdowns. And, And you mentioned it. He was really good as the receiver today. Josh Allen probably could have run that ball in, but he just gave him a little flick of the the wrist. Uh, Moss caught it, ran it in, and I actually think there was another reception. I, I don't know if it was the same drive or not, but he was going across the middle. He caught it, and then he just kind of a little wiggle almost to kind of break free from the defender and get upfield. So he he showed a little bit of elusiveness with the ball in his hands as a receiver. He rushed for 60 yards. He ended up with 91 total yards in the score. And, and this goes back to what Brian Dable said before the start of the season. The Bills are going to ride the hot hand at running back on a game-by-game basis. You saw in week one, Singletary was the hot hand. Moss was inactive. Week two, more of a split, but you still saw Singletary get a few more opportunities because he was running the ball well. This week, it looked like Moss was the the hot hand, so to speak, and and he stepped up. There were multiple situations in third and short where last year the Bills would have 100% thrown the ball, but instead they gave it to Moss, and Moss picked up the extra yards, moved the chains. It's those little things like that that are going to help this offense as the year goes on because – I think in these last few games, teams have said, well, they're not going to run on us that much. And now you see these performances through three weeks. When it gets time for Kansas City, when it gets time for Tennessee, there might be more opportunities to pass the ball because Devin Singletary, Zach Moss and company have been running it so well that you have to respect it. You have to play it. And if not, they're going to make you pay. Listen, it's a it's a good day for Bill's Mafia. We're going to bring Sarah Holland here in a moment. Um 
to get her experience inside the building today. This place was rocking. But, you know, it's a good day for Bills Mafia because of the result of this game, no doubt about it. But it's also a good day, I mean, in the division. The Jets mm-hmm. are getting blown out. The New England Patriots, I've not been as hyped on Mac Jones as everybody else has been. And I, I go back to week one. I thought that there was some overreaction to that game. And I kind of thought what happened today was coming. And it looks like it's a pretty ugly stat line. It's 30 for 51, 58% completion percentage, 270, a touchdown and three picks against the Saints, who don't get me wrong. Saints are a good team. They got a solid defense. But this is a this is an offense that's that's very far away from being competitive. I think I and, and 28 points, Jameis Winston throwing for a buck 28, two touchdowns, and then putting up 28 points today. Uh, this is a situation where the Jets getting blown out. The Jets are irrelevant. They might go 0-17. That's how bad things are on that offense right now. And then Miami's down 25-17, eight points. They're driving with two minutes to go, but I got a text. Or I've been, not a text, I've been following Marcel Louis-Jacques coverage of the game uh, out there, and it's it's not a pretty picture for the Miami Dolphins right now. No, and, and you know, I, I could have sworn before week one that we were told that New England was going to be a top five offense in this league by some national pundits. And <laughs> Mac, Nick, right? <laughs> Nick, it uh, might have been Stephen A., I think. Oh, look out for that Mac Jones in this offense. And they've struggled. And and when Cam Newton was cut, Matt, we sat here and shot. We said, I don't think it's because they think Mac Jones is a savior. It's because you knew this rookie quarterback was going to take his lumps throughout the year. And as this happens, if you have a veteran waiting in the wings, the fans are going to start clamoring for them to come in, to start to play. And I think Bill Belichick's, Bill Belichick's long game is, I want to develop Mac Jones. I do want to do it the right way. And you can't do that if you're pulling him uh, every other week or if you're pulling him late in the season or, or even doing like a, a Tua situation where late in the games you put Cam in instead. So I think we anticipated this. And, and Mac Jones did not look good, even how he longed today before the game. Uh, thank goodness we're getting back to CBS coverage here pretty soon. Uh, before the game today, he called Mac Jones a young Tom Brady. And I'm like, what have you seen in two games to compare him to the greatest quarterback of all time, except for the fact that they both played on that Patriots team at one point in their careers? Just ridiculous. It's crazy talk. I mean, the velocity is just not there. Listen, you could say a lot about Tom Brady, but he's always had zip on his ball. I mean, it, that that intermediate passing range, Tom Brady is deadly. I mean, he's surgical. He puts it, he puts it on a dime. And listen, Mac, Mac's shown some ability to be accurate with the football, but I think there's just some serious questions about his ability to be accurate. Zach Wilson is already looking like, you know, pretty soon we're going to be reading about ghosts again in New York City. And, and, and then you go down to Miami and they're going with Jacoby Brissett, who's a career backup to attack of Viola. Even when he gets back to me at this stage, everything I've seen, he's just not the answer either. It's, it's why going into the season, year two of a guy you drafted fifth overall, when they're entertaining trade offers for Deshaun Watson with everything that's going on around him and inquiring about him, knowing the baggage that comes along with them, that they, they're lying to themselves already. He's not the guy. And listen, on the Nick Wright front, it's it's a business model, Mafia. It is rile up Bills fans because guess what? It is a moneymaker. Get him riled up. Get him in the mentions. It gets all of our content flying all over the place. Nick Wright, dude, I actually, when he first came on Colin Cowherd's show back in the day, I actually liked a lot of his basketball takes. Like he was, he was before it got, you know, Skip Bayless-y, I thought, you know, he covered the league pretty good. I never in that era heard him talk about the NFL, 
But what happens is these guys become a brand and then they're asked to branch out and cover other, start talking about other sports because you could put some numbers behind those takes. And the problem is he doesn't know anything really about the NFL. I mean, you could tell he's a, he's a huge Chiefs fan and he has no ability to have objectivity. So, you know, don't let it get you riled up. It's, it's, it's a business model and I'm trying to do a service for Bill's mafia here, right? No, and you're hundred percent correct because last week, he, he tweeted after all the games, oh, I said the Bills were going to lose the Dolphins. I said the Chiefs were going to do this. I, I'm, a, I just, I, I'm not looking forward to tomorrow's show. Just because he knew by saying that, people are going to tune in to hear him, hear how wrong he was about things or make excuses. So you're right, it is a business model. Going to the Jets, yeah, they, they look terrible. Last I looked, it was 20 to nothing. It might be even worse now. It's been a little while since I've seen that. Uh, and, and I, you know... I think that they've added talent in the last year with with this new regime, but they're still so far away. There's still such a lack of talent there that I, you know, I know Bills fans don't want to hear uh, someone say, "I hope they don't ruin a quarterback that's in the division." But I hope they don't ruin another quarterback or um, not get to see what Zach Wilson can be because we're seeing what Sam Darnold can be away from the Jets, and it, it's pretty good. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's going to lead the Panthers into the playoffs, but they've looked good early in the, in the season. They're playing good football and he looks a lot more capable than he ever did with the, the jets. So this division right now, although Miami's right on the doorstep following a pass interference penalty, they'll have to go for two. Uh, I, this division looks for like it's the bills for the taking and there's really no other competition right now. All right. We're going to bring in Sarah Holland here as we, as we wrap to the final edition of the show, and we'll bring you some, uh, some live, uh, companion uh programming as we bring up the game I, ryan said he's got it on and, and we'll we'll react as the miami dolphins game finishes sarah you were at the game today i looked across uh the entire stadium i didn't see uh, an empty uh seat in the house what was the experience like what, what was the what was the vibe it was such an awesome experience and a great atmosphere i am sunburnt <laughs> i lost my voice from singing the shout song one too many times <laughs> i honestly lost count after four um, but it was just so fun seeing literally no open open seats at all. Um, and then the way that Josh Allen and the Bills played, it was awesome. And I was excited and happy to be with Bills Mafia for a game. But I'm looking forward to next weekend when I can get back to work. So, yeah, it was awesome. Very good. Yeah. And listen, uh, I know that a lot of people said the traffic wasn't as bad today getting to the game. But like Matt said, the, the stadium seemed packed to capacity. How was it going into the game today? Because you had to show the proof of vaccination before you even got security. Was that moving along well today? I left pretty early from my apartment just to make sure. And it was not a problem. I lined up right at 11 and got in within like 15 minutes. But I, I did see on Twitter that people that were got in a little later, like maybe 45 minutes, it was a much longer line. I recommend yeah, if any Bills Mafia, if you're going to the game, get there at 11 when they recommend because you'll get in super easy. Absolutely. Matt, just to give an update, third and goal now from about the two-yard line. They've been stuffed the last two run plays, so 29 seconds left. Even if they make the touchdown here, they're going to have to go for two. Beautiful. We're going to react to this, and I got the I got the red zone up on my phone, and when I when I first brought it up, it, it my AirPods synced with my phone, so I couldn't hear basically anything you guys were talking about for a good 30 <laughs> seconds. And, but you know, listen on the shout football podcast, we, we uh, adapt on the fly and it looks like Miami's, uh, you know, getting close here on this third down here. They're going to go, uh, try to score a touchdown. But, um, I wanted to bring something up Two things. First of all, I, I did hear Sarah talking about singing the shout song all during the podcast. 
Um, and you know, I know everybody in here, every time they heard that song, we're thinking, I cannot wait till after the game so we can listen to the shell football podcast because we're going to have great takes. We're going to have great reaction to the game. Um, the other thing that I want to talk about is it a touchdown touchdown. He ran it in. Oh, you're ahead of me. Jacoby Brissett, the legend of Jacoby Brissett. Wait, was it on fourth down? I might be fourth, way behind fourth and goal. Yeah. He got stuffed he on ran third and goal, ran it in on okay. fourth and goal. So Jacoby Brissett sets up the drama here um, against the Las Vegas Raiders, who if they win this game, the Las Vegas Raiders go to 3-0 and on the season. I got to tell you, Ryan, if the if the Raiders win this game, they go to 3-0. and The Kansas City Chiefs are 1-2. and All of a sudden, we have a real interesting situation brewing in the AFC West. And I got to tell you, I'm rooting for the Raiders to keep winning because – if they end up, uh, I know Bills fans are going to like this, but if they have a better record than the Bills and they meet in the playoffs, we'll have to go to Vegas. Sorry, <laughs> I, I apologize. I, I'm sorry, Bills fan. I'm not rooting for your team not to have a better. Uh, I, I'm, I'm putting the cart before the horse, if you will. Uh, but yeah, big play here coming up. Did it? Did it happen? The two yep, point they conversion? converted it. Nice throw to Floyd. Wow! It looks like we're going to go Look. to overtime in this game, and you know, kudos to the Dolphins. Uh, they were up 14 to nothing. They blew their lead. But they stayed in it, and it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. But in terms of the Raiders, you know, listen, I still have trouble believing the Raiders, even if they do go to 3-0 and today. I've seen them collapse enough over the last few years to have some questions. But let's just say they are for real. It wouldn't be a shock if they at least split with the Chiefs. They defeated the Chiefs one year ago when their roster wasn't nearly as good as it is this year. Uh, so it wouldn't shock me. And, and within this division, we've already seen the Chargers knock off. Uh, the Chiefs as well. And and Matt, did you wa- follow any of that game today or late in the game with the Chargers and the Chiefs? No, I saw that there was a controversial call where the Chargers, did they send something happened with the Chargers at the end that I saw some people tweeting about? So kind of just like the uh, Baltimore Ravens the week before, they were in this fourth down situation late in the game. They could have kicked the field goal to go up by three, but there would have been enough time for the Chiefs to probably move the ball down the field, possibly mm-hmm. either tie it or win it with a touchdown. And they went for it on fourth and four Uh, and a pass interference penalty kept the drive alive. They scored a touchdown and that eventually won them the game. But we've seen that now in two weeks where these opposing teams, the Ravens with Harbaugh saying to Lamar, you want to just go for it on fourth and one rather than punt it away and give them a shot. Same thing with the Chargers. So you're seeing teams get more aggressive with the Chiefs. And that's something the Bills are going to have to do in a few weeks. And it's something that I'm sure the Raiders and a lot of these other teams are going to do, too. And it's going to be interesting to see how the Chiefs react to that throughout this whole season. It's interesting that you bring that up because, you know, you look today, the bills were 0 for one on the only fourth down that Mm -hmm. they went for. And I feel like you wonder what Sean McDermott thinks about that. If that goes into the back of his head as he's kind of, you know, thinking about future decisions, but you're right. How much has he grown as a coach from that Kansas city game? We're going to get a a glimpse into that when the bills face the the Kansas city chiefs in a few weeks. Cause listen, this is kind of a wounded animal at this point. You lose to the Ravens the way that they did. You go down to the Chargers, who's kind of the upstart team, come into your house and beat you. They're going to play the Eagles next week. That's probably a get-right game. Uh, and then it's going to be the Bills. But listen, things things aren't super easy for the Chiefs as the season goes along. I mean, they have a really tough stretch where they play the Packers, the Chiefs, or the Packers, the Raiders, the Cowboys, the Broncos, who are now 3-0, and the Raiders again, the Chargers, well, the Steelers look like uh, they they might uh, not be the team that we saw in week one against the Bills. But there are some tough games here for the Chiefs that I think that at, at this stage now, sitting here at one and two, the trek 
to the number one seed has gotten a lot more difficult for the Chiefs at this point. I'm not, I'm not writing them off. It's very early in the season. They're as liable as any team to run out 10 games in a row. But as we sit here today, as you, if you're a Bills fan, if you're a Raiders fan, a Chargers fan, um, a Ravens fan, you're feeling really good about things, especially the Ravens now with that game in hand against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, absolutely. And and listen, I mean, I think the Chiefs are still going to be uh, in the the running for the number one seed when all is said and done. But you're you're one uh, mistake away from them being zero and three, where the, the Browns had that uh, snafu on a punt where the punter dropped the ball, got tackled, and that turned the whole game around. There, he gets that kickoff. Maybe the the Browns win that game outright too, and we're sitting here shell shocked that Kansas City's zero and three at this point. So teams aren't just going to lay down for you in the NFL. That's what the Bills learned in week one against Pittsburgh, where Pittsburgh had the perfect game plan. And you're right, they've fallen off a cliff since then. Uh, but teams are going to give you their best game week in, week out when you're these powerhouses in the AFC, NFC, et cetera. And like you said, some of those teams that you mentioned, Dallas can put up points with anybody. The, the Raiders always play Kansas City tough. We've already seen the Chargers knock them off, and the Packers are the Packers. So going to be really interesting to see what the, uh, the Chiefs do here as the year goes on. So one other thing that I wanted to bring to the table, and uh, I know that they're going to overtime. I don't think we're going to uh, stick through all the way to there. I got, we got some more work to do here tonight. But I found it interesting that John Feliciano revealed during his press conference at the end, he was asked if there was extra motivation in this game. The question was re- was referring to Ron Rivera and Sean McDermott being like, you know, old, old, old coaching partners and playing against each other. And John kind of like scoffed at that. Like, you know, that has nothing to do with us or me. And he said, but yeah, the, the Washington football team apparently tweeted something about Cole Beasley, uh, saying that he could only run out routes. Uh, and then, and John, John Feliciano was like pretty sure he had 98 yards today. It was just the stuff they like to trash talk on Twitter. You know, Beasley did his thing, quote unquote. I just thought that was interesting because it's like, you got a team, you got, you got players across the board they pay attention to these things you know you talk about um locker room material i mean any little thing to get thing to get an advantage they're going to kind of put it in here and we're talking about john feliciano an offensive lineman that wanted to go out there and put it out put it on the line here today for cole beasley who he thought was slighted for whatever reason i don't even really know what he's referring to i I never saw any comments to that degree but it is what it is. I'm just reading a comment here. Sarah, Sarah, there's storms are brewing under your eyes. Uh, no time is a good time for goodbyes. I don't know if that's a song, uh, but yeah, Sarah, Sarah got after it today. I did. <laughs> I did. She sounds tired, tired after getting after it for sure. All right. We're going to wrap up here, guys. Enjoy the rest of your football Sunday. Uh, we'll watch some uh, football tonight. Sunday night football, I'm sure, will be a fun game. What's this? What's the night game, Ryan? Uh, I'm actually Green Bay in San Francisco. Yes. Or is that? Yeah, that is tonight. It's not Monday night. Is yeah. It? So Green that, Bay, San Francisco, Philly, uh, really Dallas tomorrow. Some high scoring affairs there. Last thing on what you mentioned, Matt. Yeah, it, it's funny. There was even a former Washington player who was criticizing Josh Allen uh, a day or two ago on social media, saying that this is the perfect time for Washington to get him uh, based on what they've seen. And And I wouldn't be shocked if that got back to Josh Allen and some of these other players on this offense. They'll say that everything, they don't pay attention to the outside noise, but if there's anyone sliding a player or or the offense, the defense, I guarantee you they know about it and they use that as motivation. All right, a couple things before we get out of here. First and foremost, you're watching on YouTube. Thank you. We're almost at 4,000 subscribers. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button as well. Download the audio version of the podcast on wherever you get your audio plat- uh, podcasts, any platform, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. 
We're running a contest. If this is the first time you're hearing about it, email a picture. You got to email a selfie. I know. We're like, what, 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 what are you asking me to do here, Matt? Why, why do you need a selfie? Well, here's the contest. We have a billboard downtown Buffalo right now. It's at 291 Chicago Street. Put that into your, uh, your map app. Drive to the spot. Snap a selfie with the billboard in the background. Get it to me. Tweet it at me or email it to me, mperino at syracuse.com. I had a few people email me a couple this weekend. And then you're entered in the contest. Five prizes. What are the prizes, Ryan? Oh, we have some shout shirts to give out, Matt. Uh, and and listen, uh, they're they're a hot commodity. My mom's asking me where to get those shout shirts. I'm gonna have to find one for. So shout shirts are out there. We also have someone that's going to be a guest on the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast with us for an entire episode. And the grand prize winner will get to meet with us, have some pizza, have some wings, have some beer at a choice or a place of their choosing. Wow, talk about. A contest. Some going to be some good winners there. This is the Shop Buffalo Football Podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, hosting a large party. Check out Tops' huge selection of party platters for a delicious, effortless, and affordable, no stress way to impress. For complete details, stop by their carryout cafe or visit topsmarkets.com forward slash fantasy foodball. That's F O O D B A L L. For Ryan Talbot and Sarah Holland, I am Matt Perino. The Bills. Take out the Washington football team, 43 to 21. We will be back on Wednesday this week for our first show of the week. Bill's on the Houston. We'll see you then. Take care, everybody. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.